0: I must admit, I was very nervous about some of those because i sat, unfortunately, in the front row, so I do apologise for that. <laughs> have you ever had those big questions where you think to yourself, how did we get here? You may have stopped and looked out. Anybody see the asteroid storm last night? Looked up into the stars and just seen how many there are and how far things go and think, does it ever end? Or you might have looked at a huge tree, and so all of that came from one tiny little seed. How does does that happen? Or you may have stopped to think, actually, it's amazing that I'm here. I don't mean me, I mean you. If you think about it, there are times aren't there, where you do something or you see yourself in a certain way and you think, gosh, I look really like my dad or I look really like my mum. And that's for a reason. That's because you've got about half of your dad and you've got half of, you, of your mum all bouncing around inside of you. And yet you're not the same as your brothers and sisters. The way in which all of that has come together is entirely different. It is incredible that you are here. Because if you stop and think about it, if all those pieces go together to make you and they come from your mum and your dad, that means that for them, they've got all kinds of bits and pieces from their mum and dad. And you might even start to see that in your family. Gosh, you're a lot like your granddad or your grandma. And if that's true, then there must be people behind them again that they're getting all different parts from. It is incredible that you are here and you are a long line of people that had to exist and had to come together to make you. You're amazing. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. But how did we get here? Because you can go back and you can go back and you can go back, but where does it all start? Well, we've actually got an amazing story at the start of the Bible. That tells us something about the beginning. And I'm going to use this sheet this morning to tell us a little bit about this. So hopefully it will be up on the screen behind me. If you can't quite see it, there is space up here if you want to come and take a closer look. But how did it all begin? The Bible begins with these words. In the beginning. God. Just that. Just God. Can you imagine what that's like? Nothing but God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God, the Word, and the breath, existing together, loving, sharing together. And then God has an idea. There is this explosion. Let there be light. Now this story is amazing in in so, so many ways. Let there be light. And there was, out of the darkness, over the chaos, suddenly now something pure, something beautiful. See, whenever I do something, it kind of represents me, doesn't it? It has a John flavor to it. And whenever you do something, it's got a a, a you flavor to it. And the first thing we learn about what God makes is light. It's something bright. It's something pure. It's something beautiful. It's something that we still don't fully understand. It's got its own own rules of working. It's got its own speed. Light. God tells us there at the beginning, something started. And time began. That's an interesting little footnote for some of us here. If you heard of the time-space continuum, it took us until Einstein to work out that space can't exist without time, and that time can't exist without space, but the Bible got there first. It all begins with this voice. Let there be. See, when God speaks, life happens planets form in the vapor of his breath, and life explodes into existence, and this voice speaks again and creates sea and water and land and sky, and he looks at it and says, wow, that's good. That wasn't one of Tim's trick questions. (laughs) That's good. Ever had those moments when you've stopped and looked at something and gone, That is an echo of what God did, as He made all of it. Amy and I were married for twenty years last weekend. No, weekend before last, and we were away, and we went to, get to go to one of our favourite places on the planet, a place called Treceice, down in Cardigan. And so many times that weekend, we just stopped and looked at the creation around us, and went, Whew. "If creation is this good, how good?" is the voice, the person behind it. And then God sets about filling this world that he's formed. He he fills the the seas with with fish. He fills the land with all kinds of creatures. He fills it with vegetation. And he gives it the ability to carry on creating uh, so that trees can create after their kind and fish after theirs and animals after theirs. And suddenly and quickly, this world that God has made is filled up with life and and more life and color and flavor and texture because this voice speaks and where it happens There's life. And then God creates something incredibly beautiful, incredibly complex. Each stage of creation moves things on, see. Everything gets a little bit more detailed and a little bit more amazing. And then God makes people, makes us humanity. And as good as all of this is, It's people who get the honor of being called made in God's image. There is something God-like about you. Isn't that amazing? Inside of you, there is a God spark. See, out of all of this, the boast of God's brilliance and his beauty and his wonder... There's something about us that can know God in a deep way, that can be loved by God and can love God in return, the image of God inside of us. And unlike God, unfortunately, not all that we do is good. Not all that we make or all that we say or all that we create is good. And yet there is something God like about you an image. Of the Maker inside of you. So, yes, you're like your mum and your dad and the grandparents and the great grandparents and all the generations, but right back at the beginning, we were made in God's image. You are not an accident, you are not a mistake. You are made in the image of this amazing, loving Creator. God, who still wants you to know that voice that says, Let there be. And it was so. And then into this story, we hear of another voice. See, for love to be love, for us to love God and for Him to love us in return, there has to be a sense of choice, right? Nobody wants to be forced to love somebody. Nobody doesn't want to have the choice. That's not loving, is it, to say you have to? love me you have to do this and so in this good world there creeps another influence and in this story it's kind of snake-shaped it kind of worms its way in it's interesting isn't it that even in our world today when we're describing something that creeps its way in that's sly, that's manipulative we still use this imagery of a snake And God has said to them, you can eat from any tree in the garden. You can enjoy all of its fruits, all there to be enjoyed and explored. But there's one thing I want you to keep, the knowledge of good and evil. When it comes to what's right for you and what's wrong for you, I want you to come to me for that. I want you to trust me to know what's right and what's wrong. And so there's one tree out of all of them that he says leave that alone. But this influence, this snake, this other voice, who the Bible tells us later in the Bible was was the devil himself, comes and says, did God really say? And actually he twists what was said. He manipulates it and says, did he say you can't touch it because you'll die? And actually, no, God never said you can't touch it, but Sometimes to allow ourselves to do certain things, we make the rules seem so ridiculous, and so uh, ununderstandable. And we choose badly here. And this goes right back to what it means to be human. The one thing they couldn't have becomes the one thing they want. The trouble with a lie is that it tends to spread. It tends to move as people believe it, as people accept it. The, the liar becomes empowered. And the influence of this other voice spreads. And, and now there's, there's a divide. There's a break between this voice, between this God and, and his creation. And every time we choose not to listen, every time we choose our own way to make our own rules, a divide forms, a, a barrier. The Bible calls this sin. And although it was represented by a tree, by fruit in this story, it can be represented by all sorts in, in my life and yours. It wasn't something ugly. It looked good. It looked tasty. looked right. And yet, even there, in this moment, it's not the end of the story. There is a promise that goes right back to this moment. God, who has made this beautiful world, who's made us for himself, says immediately after this choice, one day someone will come. Someone will come and they'll they'll be born of a woman. And they will crush the serpent's head. They'll, 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 They'll put an end to this influence, to this evil in your world. That's one of many, many promises that points to the fact that God is not finished yet. It doesn't tell us that he stopped making on the seventh day. It simply tells us that he rested. This God, this voice, still making, still creating, still shaping, still forming, still filling. And his promise holds today. So that for each and every one of us, if there are choices that we have made, there is somebody who can take that away. There is somebody who came to pay the price for our choices. Tim's going to be sharing a little bit more about that later on, but let's just pray as we uh, just kneel before God today. Father God, first of all, we just want to thank you so much for the beauty, for the wonder of this world that you have made. And we thank you today, Lord, for making us We thank you that in your great, big, beautiful world, there is room for us. Lord, would you forgive us today for the times when we make a mess, when we are are not good, when we hurt people, or sometimes when we see people being hurt and, and do nothing about it. Would you forgive us today? Lord, as we look at this world that you have made, Lord, you must weep today over situations where people are at war, where people are destroying your world and your creation, your children. We think of those who right now are scattered all across Europe and the world because of the war in Ukraine. Those who are desperately worried about mums and dads, brothers and sisters, grandparents, children, friends. And Lord, we pray for peace in your world. Lord, we pray for peace talks. And that in those, Lord, somehow your voice might be heard. That you might speak into this world again. We pray, Father, for our own little corner of this world. Our own little garden where we get to make and build and be. And we pray that your voice might be with us. And might speak to us. Lord, would you speak hope to us today? Would you speak your right and your wrong, your truth to us today? And in those places where we have fallen away, would you speak your forgiveness and your grace? And help us to stand and to stand on your promise and to stand in you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Well, good morning again, everybody morning. I'm going to be speaking from the Book of Narwhal, don't know who that one is, I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> right, anyway, right, uh, jokes all aside, good morning everybody, formal greeting, because I'm now standing here doing the preachy bit, yes, glasses down, There we go, uh, no. <laughs> who am I kidding? <laughs> right, um, we have been away this week, uh, we've, we've had a lovely time away, uh, down in Pembrae, we got to soak up far too much sun. Um and spend lots of time on the trails there, with on the bikes, doing tobogganing, going golfing. Mini mini golf, sorry, just mini golf. Um Finding sea potatoes. We didn't even know what they were. There was loads of sea potatoes on the beachfront, and we were like, "What is this? It's weird." And then we looked, and God's creation is weird, but it's amazing. And um, they're the little uh, shells that you can find on the beach where the, the creatures obviously like left it, and stuff. It's really amazing. Um, anyway, it was great, and it was a lovely time to recharge and uh, relax. But it was also time to reflect. On how amazing last weekend was we got to celebrate lives made new which is awesome I was very privileged to be part of that and thank you so much Um, we got to hear the wonderful testimonies as well of how God's worked in people's lives and most importantly we got to celebrate that the tomb was empty Woo! we can we can be Pentecostal (laughs) for five seconds come on Uh, that jesus was was and is alive and throughout the weekend john led us through uh looking at the fact that he died on the cross for our sins and he rose again and it's, it was amazing hallelujah yeah yeah Boom. but the thing is thing is it got me thinking and you know what in order to satiate my thinking i had to go from this bit of the bible actually it's this bit of the Bible, all the way back to this bit of the Bible, right to the start. That's how much thinking it was. it was. Overheating my brain, it was awful. It got me thinking about God and how Easter was him keeping his promise. But what promise, I hear you say? Well, we kind of established some of it this morning. But well, let's look at the, back at the start, right? So the start of the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I won't do the whole thing, don't worry. <laughs> but John's done a really good way of recapping, but we'll 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 kind of skirt around and summarize it a little bit this morning. God created all things, right? Sun, moon, stars, light, darkness, ground, seas, and then trees, plants, animals, birds, fish, and all the sounds and smells that come with them. Then he made man. And he made man in his own image. And along with everything else he made, it was good. Believe it or not, man was good. God gave man some jobs to do. Some some things to do, you know, things to do in the garden. Looking after all the land, pick the fruit, manage the animals, give them names even. Can you imagine that? Going up to a cat or a a dog and not knowing that it's called cat or dog and going, I'm going to call you cat, dog and just establishing these things is amazing just to think that this is before like time before th- anyway right god felt sorry for man though because even though he had man's best friend he was on his own so he made woman and during this time the amazing thing is as the bible establishes god walked and talked with man and with woman god was able to be in relationship with his creation he walked and talked to them in being and it was good it was good god gave them one instruction though do not eat from this one tree the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because you will surely die this was the first promise the first covenant with his people you have all this that i have given you A life with me, God says. Eternal blessing. Just the one thing. Be obedient. Listen to me. and Don't eat from that one tree. And one day in the garden, the serpent, who was super crafty, he slithered up to woman and said, come and have tea in my log pile house. Wait a minute. No, he didn't. He didn't. He said... Bit of a Gruffalo reference to all your parents out there. So he said, "Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden?" Uh, Did he? You can imagine him saying he wouldn't have had arms or or shoulders because he was a serpent. But uh, maybe just like the game we played earlier with the quotes and the slightly twisted sayings, they were wrong. But they were plausible it knocked some of us up on on whether it was right or not what was being said i mean i know it's the one commandment god gave them but if somebody says it to you just out of slight context you can get tripped up the woman corrected the serpent actually had a moment corrected the serpent saying god said we could eat from any tree but that one over there She also let out a bit more, though, that God had said they would surely die if they ate the fruit. And the serpent twisted these words again. You won't die, he said. You'd be like God. You'll know good and evil. You won't have to go to every table and make a decision. You, You can make the decision yourself. He left out the other bits, though, that would happen as a consequence of this action. He made sin seem tempting. You would be like God, making your own decisions. You won't have to bother him all the time. It was tempting. The fruit looked good. It was made by God. It, it was, looked good. It looked tasty. It wasn't a blemish on the outside. But it would rot man to the core. Woman succumbed first, then man. Both took a bite from the fruit and realized how amazing their life was. Yeah? 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 They were thus what they were promised. It's an amazing life you've got. No, they didn't. They didn't feel amazing at all. They instantly felt shame for the first time. They felt shame of their bodies. The good creation that God had made, they felt was no longer good enough. And they covered themselves up and hid. Rather than feeling a new freedom, their eyes were indeed opened, but just not in the way that they thought. The twisted words from the serpent, now a bitter, lasting taste after the initial sweet hit. They hid in the garden. Negative emotion number two, fear coursing through them. Can you imagine that? Having all the goodness, everything up until that point, And suddenly shame and fear oh my word that's get your get your heart racing like like experiencing fear for the very first time like standing at the top of a cliff and looking over and or going abseiling john (laughs) fear and shame god came wandering along asking where his beautiful creations were where were his friends and God found them. Well, they say He found them. He knew where they were. and They were huddled in a bush, trying desperately to cover themselves up, as if it were excuse. Man said, no, "We hid because we were naked." Then they were nude. Up until this point, they'd been nude the whole time. Nude. I'm going to say nude. Right. Sorry, I won't say it anymore. Um, God got straight to the point, though. Who told you that you were naked? Who taught you about shame? Seeing this blemish on his creation. How did you become to be disobedient? Then negativity the third, the blame game. Fingers getting pointed. She did it, says man. It told me to do it, says woman, pointing at the serpent. Eternal blessing. And life with God given up in a moment of disobedience. It's it's an understatement to say that God's none too happy about this situation. He created man and woman, the glorious creation that surrounded them, everything that they could ever possibly desire. He wanted to spend time with them, appreciating what had been made. But now sin had entered the world. And in the next moment, God speaks out this curse one that sets the tone for time to come. But this curse that is covered in Genesis 3, this curse is special. Within it is a promise, a light in the darkness, a theme that rides through this, that even when there's darkness, there's light. And Genesis 3, 14 to 19, records it like this. And this is from the the children's Bibles that they've got as well, this version. The Lord God said to the snake, talks to the snake first because you did this a curse will be put upon you you will be cursed more than any tame animal or wild animal you will crawl on your stomach Have you tried crawling on your stomach it's awful and you will eat dust all the days of your life have you tried eating dust that's awful too i will make you and the woman enemies to each other your descendants and her descendants will be enemies her child will crush your head and you will bite his heel and then god said to the woman I will cause you to have much trouble when you are pregnant. And when you give birth to children, you will have great pain. And you will greatly desire your husband, but he will rule over you. And then God said to the man, you listened to what your wife said. Gentlemen, listen to what your wife said. (laughs) And you ate fruit from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from. So I will put a curse on the ground and you will have to work very hard for food. In pain you will eat this food all the days of your life. The ground will produce thorns and weeds for you and you will eat the plants of the field and you'll sweat and work hard for your food and later you will return to the ground because this is because you were taken from the ground. God created them from the ground. You are dust and when you die, you will return to the dust. And that's it, the reality of it. A moment of naughtiness following temptation, not doing as God had asked, leads to the fall of man. And some people look at this with human eyes. I don't know if you've encountered this, maybe maybe yourself, or maybe you've encountered it as a, a kind of like counter argument that people can come up with. They look at it through human eyes and think, oh, that's a bit harsh, isn't it? It's just ate a bit of fruit, kicked them out of the garden, sent them off, they're now going to die, pain in childbirth that's a bit harsh but this is a God situation and we have to apply godliness to it we learn about we learned about God's character um, on Bethel kids when we were online during our really long God is series we know God is pure God is righteous God is good and God is judge overall and he is just he's not petty he's not spiteful he doesn't hold grudges it's the reality that if man could not obey God, he could not remain in God's presence. Sin came into the world, and that's the reality of it. It's so the way contracts and covenants work. Break the clause in this, and the contract is null and void, yeah? That's how it works. I'm looking at my legal guidance over here. <laughs> that's kind of how it works. You know, You break the clause, and that's it. So this seems really bleak, doesn't it? seems really dark everybody's really quiet and going oh my gosh what's going on there it's really bleak where is the promise maybe and i don't know if you caught it it's there it's a light in the darkness did you get a bit the bit about the serpent yes it's going to slink on its belly and it's going to eat dirt but there's a promise See, that bit was the curse on the animal. But the next bit that comes is a curse on Satan. It possessed the serpent. We discover that at the other end of the Bible in Revelation. So literally, the whole, like, you have to go through the whole Bible to discover who it is. It's like a it. Just don't read the last pages. I will make you and the woman enemies to each other, and your descendants and her descendants will be enemies. Satan and the woman will be enemies. And their offspring will be enemies now when I was reading this I was like wait does that mean Satan had kids (laughs) kind of a bit weird there well not really in the physical sense more in the metaphorical and then like glance over at John now (laughs) the evil intention of the sinful nature uh, are what Satan birthed at that moment and sin entered the world so basically it boils down to good offspring of women and evil Satan for all generations until until the promise now be careful you might blink and miss this bit when you're reading through Genesis because it's right at the start of the Bible so you might well he will crush strike bruise your head and you will bite strike or bruise his heel Now, I've included those extra little things because be in different translations it covers it in different ways but the um, the the connotations are the, uh, are the same and there we go Self explanatory. Step on the head, bite the foot moment, nothing more needed. Let's close in prayer. I think, John, are you ready for the song? Yeah. Okay, maybe a little bit more a little bit more explanation needed. I'm gonna put my Easter glasses on so that we can look at this through different lenses. Um I can't can't, can't see. (laughs) Right, anyway. At this very moment when sin entered the world. God promised a rescue plan making a new covenant with man the offspring would crush or bruise the head of the serpent or Satan that sounds really painful I don't know if you've had your head stepped on before maybe Josh in rugby Have you had your head stepped on in a ruck? no you're too good mate you're too good but I like anybody else if you had your head stepped on I think that would hurt yeah I think that would be that would hurt It sounds really painful and it's pretty fatal for some situations and the serpent Satan will strike or bruise his heel I don't know if uh, you've bitten a heel recently I haven't that I can remember anyway Um, but I can only imagine that it wouldn't be very effective can you imagine that like being bitten on the heel anyone who stood on a Lego piece knows the heel is probably the best bit because it's the thickest part of skin it's not going to dig in that much I think from looking here, though, it's the idea that the serpent or Satan would be dealt a fatal blow, and that even his best efforts would be useless in comparison. See, at, the, at this moment, at this very moment, God speaks of and promises an end to sin. He promises the Son of Man. He promises his Son, Jesus. Jesus. That's why the Bible has so many genealogies. It's not just to track birth dates so that you get your calendar correct. It's to show where Jesus came from. You can draw a line straight from the start through to Jesus. God's rescue plan, God's promise, God's covenant. And it didn't just stop at the curse. God went on to make them clothes of skin. The first innocent animal sacrificed. His creation sacrificed For the sin of man so like i said we've recently celebrated this promise last week playing out at the cross where jesus became the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf to take away our shame and our sin our fear no longer full of blame but sin free and clean and able to come back into relationship with god back to the start How awesome is that? See, God is a promise keeper. And that's what we wanted to establish on this first session with the promise keeper kind of title. He doesn't just stop at this first covenant. Every time man breaks his side of the promise, breaks the clause in the contract, God remakes it and reforges the covenant. And we'll be exploring some of those moments over the next months as we come together in our All Together services, as we look at more promise-keeping moments.